The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. In-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. And thank you so much for being with us. I'm Daniel Marine. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. With just over a month left on the city of Austin's contract with police, council members just passed an ordinance setting out the path forward once that contract expires. The council rejected a four-year contract that the police union negotiated with the former city manager, Spencer Cronk. KXN uh, reporter Brianna Hollis is live at City Hall. And Brianna, what's in that ordinance? Break it all down for us. I know you've been talking to all parties involved. What did the officers union think about this? So first of all, council got really into the weeds on this during its discussion, but the mayor says what this really is is a safeguard as police prepare to work off contract. Now, Mayor Watson and the council majority wanted to pursue a one-year deal, waiting for the public to vote on two police oversight measures in May. The police union opted opted, excuse me, to work off contract instead. And the amendments discussed today had to do with things like financial incentives for cadets as well as means of officer retention. The vote today assures our officers, regardless of what happens with the contract, that their pay is protected. The second thing is, is that they've asked us to make sure that we evaluate the resources that we have available to us to ensure that we get to full staffing as fast as possible. And I think some of the elements of this package are going to be able to have encouragement to have people recruited and come into the uh, come into the cadet academy so that they can become full-fledged police officers and finally also the the incentives for those uh, individuals that might be thinking of retirement what incentives can we put in place to have them stay on the force and finally uh, some people have wanted to say these things are mutually exclusive, oversight as well as taking care of officers and I think what's been demonstrated today is that you can have both now, I did speak with the Austin Police Association president earlier today, and he says, well, this is better than nothing. He says it still doesn't provide the stability that most officers want because, in theory, council could keep coming back to the table with this ordinance, whereas a contract doesn't allow for that much flexibility. And we do have the full conversation that we just had with the mayor as well as city council member Alter and interim city manager on KXAN.com. Jen, Daniel. All right, Bree, thank you very much. And earlier today, the council approved almost $5 million in financial settlements with cases that involve Austin police. The largest was $3.3 million to the family of Landon Nobles, who APD officers shot and killed in 2017. The family filed a civil lawsuit against APD and two officers. They claimed new evidence showed Nobles did not turn and fire a gun at officers, as APD previously reported. A jury determined the officers used excessive force in the shooting and recommended $67 million in damages. The judge reduced that to $8 million, and today's settlement drops it again to $3.3 million. Council members also approved three separate settlements totaling about $1.5 million. These involved people injured during the May 2020 protests in downtown Austin. And then a fifth settlement for nearly $100,000 is going to a woman injured in a 2018 crash with an APD vehicle. The vote was unanimous for this one and the Landon Noble shooting. Councilmember Mackenzie Kelly voted no on the three protest-related settlements.
The governor says he's launching a statewide task force to tackle the rise in street takeovers. Members of the Department of Public Safety's criminal investigations team will lead it. Coming up next at six, we'll explore how that could help local law enforcement. Top state leaders gathered at a Hayes CISD high school today for a very powerful discussion about fentanyl. Parents who lost their child to the lethal drug spoke with U.S. Senator John Cornyn in a roundtable discussion. KXN's Sarah Alsheh shares what changes those families want to see. A roundtable discussion filled with people of all walks of life. Everyone there with the same mission, the fight against fentanyl. Serious action needs to be taken by our state and federal governments. At the head of the table, U.S. Senator John Cornyn. But I'm eager to learn more about what's happening right here in Hayes County. Listening to law enforcement agencies, students. But what I cannot count on one hand is how many students I've seen affected by addiction. And parents who lost their children to fentanyl. This school year alone, five Hayes CISD students died from the lethal drug. I relive that moment every day. Parents told the senator they want more availability of rehabilitation centers in the county, but that their main concern at the moment is the flow of drugs into the country, something Cornyn agrees is a priority. We know it's going to be more better technology, physical infrastructure, more boots on the ground. We need to stop the drugs and we need to secure the border. That's the message I'm going to take back with me. Parents Janelle Rodriguez and Brandon Dunn say they're leaving the conversation with a hopeful yet heavy heart. It comes on a day Johnson High retired the football jersey for their son Noah. Overwhelming and um, emotional. Very emotional. They say they'll continue being a part of these discussions in his memory in the hopes it saves even one life. Sarah Alshah, KXAN News. And Senator Cornyn says he's currently working on legislation to address the fentanyl crisis. It's called the Fentanyl Response Act, and he says it would provide additional training for local law enforcement agencies on drug overdoses and also get more Narcan in the hands of first responders. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, hope you didn't pack the jacket back away for the season. A taste of winter arrives briefly tomorrow, and the cold front technically has already moved through. That's why it was in the 70s all day in Austin instead of the 90s like we saw yesterday. But notice, even though the front is through most of central Texas, the colder air is still a couple hundred miles behind the leading edge of that wind shift. So it's still coming. The winds, though, are doing their job, blowing from the northeast at 15 to 25 with higher gusts than that. This is actually leading to a noticeable change in how it feels outside. Clouds thickening up across the area. Live at Liberty Hill, Whittlesea Landscape Supplies Cam. It's a cool evening, 68 degrees. I guess not that cool by February standards, right? You can see the clouds starting to thicken up from south to north. The weather will be so much different than it has been tomorrow. Stick around for your forecast, talking about the jacket weather temperatures we expect, when to expect some damp weather as we begin the coming weekend, and when temperatures warm for your outdoor plants. All right, David, thank you very much. Former Vice President Mike Pence will be in Austin tomorrow. He'll be on the UT campus for an event related to the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's being held at the school's Clements Center for National Security. New details are emerging about what caused the train derailment that led to a toxic chemical spill in East Palestine, Ohio. And as Alice Barr reports, the Transportation Secretary visited today to get a first-hand look on the day the NTSB released its preliminary report. 
New revelations today about what made a train carrying dangerous chemicals run off the tracks in East Palestine, Ohio, triggering an environmental catastrophe and raising serious health concerns. That scares me for my family. We are living here by this. We have no choice to live here right now. A preliminary report from the National Transportation Safety Board pointing to a severely overheated wheel bearing on the train. This was 100% preventable. We call things accidents. There is no accident. The NTSB announcing it will hold a rare investigative field hearing. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on site today vowing to hold Norfolk Southern Railway accountable. We're going to be here day in, day out, year in, year out. While pushing for stronger railway regulations. We need enforcement. We need accountability. It comes one day after former President Trump visited East Palestine, accusing the Biden administration of being slow to respond. They were to leave you abandoned. The White House firing back, insisting the EPA has been on the ground since day one and slamming the former Trump administration for dismantling Obama-Biden rail safety protections and EPA powers to rapidly contain spills. Political sparring as worried residents look for answers. While state and federal officials stress the air and water are safe, the CDC is promising to look into lingering health concerns. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Well, just ahead, two new videos that show the moments before and the moments right after a DWI crash killed an off-duty officer. And how Southwestern University is responding to racial slurs on some of its property. New developments in the 2021 drunk driving crash that killed an off-duty North Texas police officer. The newly released video shows Dylan Molina running a red light and slamming into the car of Detective Alex Cervantes from Ulis. After that, Molina, you can see, tried to run away but stumbled and fell down. Another man tried to hold Molina down on the ground for officers. Last month, Molina pleaded guilty to the crash. He is now serving 15 years in state prison. And then a second video from a nearby taco shop shows a bartender you see in the red hoodie right there on the left side serving Molina eight double Red Bull vodka cocktails in less than a few hours. After staggering out of an employee-only area from behind the bar, the video shows Molina leave just before that deadly crash. It bothers me um, because... I mean, there could have been a lot that could have been done once he started acting that way. I just hope that she learns her lesson, um, and I hope that she makes better decisions the next time if she ever goes back to bartending um, or in anything, basically. And that bartender faces the possibility of one year in prison and a $4,000 fine. The Erath County judge is apologizing to a tax office employee who resigned after saying she was asked to agree to only speak English while on the job. The woman said she was handed a letter and asked to sign it because it is a primary language of the majority of the workers in that office. Now, the notice said it was an effort to facilitate a harmonious and efficient work environment. Well, just ahead, how Southwestern University in Georgetown is responding to a series of racist incidents on campus. Well, temperatures today still warm, but 12 degrees cooler than that hot day we had yesterday. We topped out at 79, both at Camp Mabry and at Austin Bergstrom International Airport. Tomorrow looks totally different. We've got a brief return of winter next in your forecast. 
This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Just yesterday, the University of Texas paused its diversity and inclusion policies in response to Governor Abbott's order for state agencies to stop considering diversity in hiring. Now, at the same time, private institutions like Southwestern University in Georgetown are using their DEI officers to address racial tension between seen this week in one of their dorms. And Gangsang's Mercedes Hernandez explains how students are demanding change and how the university is growing its inclusion efforts even as those diminish on state campuses. We are fed up of the racial terrorism that seemed to occur nonstop and the microaggressions and the straight up racism that occurs every day. Students at Southwestern University protested against racism this week. The university confirmed that last Tuesday, a racial slur was found written on the whiteboard on a student's dorm door. It says it talked with students on that floor about the act, but then it happened again Sunday night. That shouldn't be being said or written by anybody, regardless of who you are. Gianni Tasugi attended the protest. He says it was to push the university into being more proactive against harassment like this. But it's happened multiple times already, and it's kind of aggravating that, like, you know, they haven't figured out a way, a way to combat it fully. The university said it's put up more security cameras around the dorm where the writing happened and plans to survey students about safety and support. It's also created an anonymous tip line to report bias violations on campus. Some students say that's needed as something like this happens every year. There were Nazi propaganda posters spread around campus last yeah. semester. And it seems like they just fix it by implicating cameras. With a big crowd at this week's protest, Tasugi says he's glad the campus is standing together as admins brainstorm solutions. It's, it's going to definitely be a start and as long as everybody's looking out for each other, we should be okay. In Georgetown, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. And the president of the university is planning to talk to students tonight about their concerns. This weekend is part of Black History Month. We're bringing you the story of the Austin 12. Back in 1955, 12 black students were allowed to attend formerly all white high schools in their neighborhoods. Now this came after a landmark Supreme Court ruling requiring states to integrate schools. As school districts began to integrate here in Texas, there was pushback from some communities. I think the situation in Austin is slightly different than in other places. I think the push for at least integration at the public school level was probably a little bit less strong than maybe in some other places. And our documentary explores the stories of those students and the landscape of Austin during that time. You can watch the Austin 12 Saturday evening at 5 p.m. right here on KXAN. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, you've heard all about the Arctic air blast overtaking much of the nation. We are finally going to get a little taste of it here at home, starting overnight tonight and through the day tomorrow. Temperatures already behind the leading edge of this cooler air, 18, 19, even 20 degrees cooler than yesterday at this time. Now, remember yesterday it was almost a record high, so it's still comfortable, 71, but it looks different. Clouds are thickening up, north winds are blowing, temperatures north of Austin down as cool as 63 right now now in Lampasas, but it's in the upper 70s along I-10 and on 71 in Fayette County. The pollen count trending in various directions. Mold is up and most likely to bother you this evening. Oak and a few others trending down in uh, the low category. 
Here it is, four below in Billings, Montana, five below again tonight up in Fargo. The leading edge of this cold front has pushed through, but notice the cold air is delayed by a little bit. We're watching the colder air tomorrow and also a big storm system producing heavy snow today in Portland, Oregon. This is going to impact our weather as well for the next several days. The biggest thing is the temperature drop. Notice over the next 18 hours, yes, temperatures fall as night falls, but as the sun rises tomorrow, we would expect the temperatures to do the same, and they just don't. Look how far below normal we will be for tomorrow's daytime temperatures. Here's a better representation of it with the cold front getting farther and farther away tonight. North winds stiffen up a bit by tomorrow morning. We are near 50 in Austin, 40s northwest of town. And the remarkable part is how little the temperatures change all afternoon. Still flatlining in the upper 40s in the Hill Country and Williamson County. Tomorrow afternoon, we're no warmer than the 50s, it looks like, from Austin eastward. Now, we are watching the front that will be trying to reverse course as a warm front tomorrow afternoon. I just don't think it'll be successful in doing so for us. The clouds also thickening up, as I mentioned, overnight. Tomorrow, we could see a little damp weather with some light fog and a few waves of passing drizzle you see shown in green. We're not expecting any significant rain, but it will be a little damp at times. This is true for tomorrow evening's happy hour and your late night plans as well. On Saturday morning, we still have a little chance of drizzle, but Saturday afternoon, as the storm system starts to pull away and south winds return, a little sunshine starts to return as well. Rainfall, again, very insignificant over the next couple days. Just a few drops in the bucket. Weekend temperatures are a little slow to recover, though. 68 with mainly cloudy skies on Saturday. Finally back to 80. Unusual warmth again on Sunday with more sun. All right, tonight's forecast, winds getting breezier north at 10 to 20, pushing in low temperatures that are cooler at 50 degrees. Cloudy skies continue all day tomorrow with some light fog and a slight chance of rain. Breezy from the north, keeping high temperatures very chilly at 53. So jacket weather tomorrow with some damp periods as well, a little fog possible here and there. Saturday and Sunday, the steady warm-up commences. And next week, as we round out the meteorological winter and the month of February and kick off the month of March, we we are back to the middle 80s. Another cool front drops temperatures only slightly next Thursday. And just ahead, a mine collapse captured by security cameras. Well, you'll want to see this. A security camera captured the collapse of an open pit coal mine in China's Inner Mongolia region. And state media is reporting at least six survivors and six deaths. Those search crews are still looking for about 50 others who are missing. A lot of vehicles are also buried under debris. And in that region, it's a key place for mining coal and other minerals. Critics say it's ravaged, though, the original landscape of mountains, grassland, as well as deserts. Well, back home, the average 30-year mortgage rate jumped to 6.5% this week. That's the highest it's been since November. A year ago, the average rate was 3.8%. The big rise in rates has battered the housing market with sales of existing homes falling for 12 straight months to the slowest pace in more than a dozen years. Meantime, Wells Fargo has laid off hundreds of mortgage bankers this week as part of a sweeping round of cuts triggered by the bank's recent change in strategy. The layoffs included some bankers who topped $100 million in loan volume last year and who recently attended a sales retreat. Some Verizon customers in the Austin area have received text messages warning about potential service disruptions over the coming weeks. A Verizon spokesperson says the company is upgrading its network in our area.
We've got no reruns tonight on KXAN at 7 o'clock. It's the original Law and Order, followed by Special Victims Unit at 8 and Organized Crime at 9 o'clock before we're back with KXAN News at 10. And of course, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin. And here's where to find us. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.